I'm Georgia, and welcome to Faith and Friends. I'm so glad that you decided to join me in my conversation today. Together, we're going to laugh, maybe cry, and use this time to grow stronger in our faith while hanging out with some really awesome humans. My prayer is that these conversations spark a deepening of your faith, and your soul truly feels refreshed. And welcome back to another episode of Faith and Friends. I am really in awe because today we're getting to hang out with one of my heroes, the one and only Karen Kingsbury. Hi, Miss Karen. Hello there. So good to be with you today. Oh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, well, we're going to have a good time and I've been hearing such great things about your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. It's a lot of fun. We love talking about our faith with our friends and just everything that surrounds that. And one thing that I just really wanted to share with my friends this year is how healing your books were for my heart this year. If quarantine was good for one thing, it was good for reading and healing. (laughs) I can relate to that for sure. For my sixth, not 16th birthday, I'm on my 16th book, let me tell you. It, it, I cannot put one of your books down, they're just so good. But for my 21st birthday, my friend got me the whole Bailey Flanagan series, and I finished all four of those books in less than two weeks. <laughs> well, my daughter Kelsey was such an inspiration for the Bailey Flanagan books, and that's what people... The girls who are loving those books, they read them very, very quickly. I think they should be a series. They should be on TV, right? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I totally think so. And I've loved that your books have been brought to life. Hallmark, number one, has my heart because just the simplicity of just the holidays and the, the way that they show love is just so sweet. It's better than a lot of the things the world reflects. And same with your books. I just love it. And so to see Maggie's movie and to see the bridge. Okay. First of all, the bridge is like my life. Just instead of Belmont, I'm at middle Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then who is your, um, you know, you must have your Ryan then who is your, who is your, Are you living out one of those stories too? (laughs) I am. It actually just started. I just started being pursued the past few months by a sweet, sweet man named Marshall, and he goes to MTSU. So it's been really sweet. That is so great. Well, see, that's the stuff we write about, right? You got to write about those fun moments. Yes, I love it. And truly, it's just been such a journey. And I see that through your writing is the stories. They're so real and honest. And I think the world just needs that. They need that honesty. Sometimes we need permission to say it's okay to not be okay. But let's go straight to the Lord. And that's what I love about your writing is like, it's so fun to read the scripture without seeing the reference and then knowing that's imprinted on your heart. Mm-hmm. And so important. I would say when Jesus wanted to tell you something straight, he would just tell you straightforward. And when he wanted to make a point, then he might turn over a table. But when he wanted to touch your heart, he told a story. And the story has a way of coming in through the back door of the heart. That's why I love fiction is I can, I can, I could write a how to book, you know, how to forgive or how to have a second chance with the Lord. But it's better to tell you a story. From my perspective, it comes in through the back door of the heart when you're less likely to put a wall up against it. Wow, that's beautiful. So when did you start writing? Well, I have been writing since I was five. I mean, I I literally, other kids were outside probably running around and playing and I was inside stapling paint together and writing stories. 
And I did that through grade school, you know, elementary through um, middle school and high school. I started doing more of a journalism mindset, a journalism track. Uh, I was a journalism major in college at Cal State University, Northridge. And in my senior year, I began writing for the LA Times as an intern. Wow. Sports um, of all things, which was really a stretch for me. But I, I think they brought me in because they, they were like, you can write. <laughs> we'll teach you how to do sports. <laughs> so I did that my senior year. And that turned into um, about a four-year stint of working for the LA Times and then the LA Daily News, they were competing papers. And then I ended up being moved over to the front page where I was writing kind of the general biggest story of the week for the front page Sunday edition. And I, I from there, ended up having my first uh, book published, which was a true crime book of all things. Mm. And I never read true crime, but it was like, just how God allowed me to be home with our first child, who was just, the timing was completely an answer to prayer. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wrote four true crime books and then I wrote my first inspirational Christian fiction novel called where yesterday lives. And, uh, that was really had a little bit of my own past in it. And it was just a very special story that I had no contract for. And the people who were, you know, publishing my true crime, they were like, we don't want a fictional, you know, inspirational Christian book. We want true crime. So it took a year to get that published, but once it was published, um, and six books that were kind of all like, kind of like, am I going to be able to do this? Like not many books being, I had like five readers and, um, <laughs> and that, and then I started writing about the Baxters and it just took off. God just opened the floodgates of heaven and not something I could have ever planned and took it to an entirely different level. Wow. I love that you said where yesterday lives. I just got that book at McKay's literally last week. <laughs> You're going to love it. It's really special. I, I feel like it's, um, you know, again, it was the one that God used to open the door to all of this. He's so good at that. Now tell me about the Baxter family. Did you model them after your own family? What inspired that beautiful family? Well, uh, I was working at the time with a, a guy who you probably may not have heard of, but Gary Smalley, and he wrote relationship books, uh, Christian books on a nonfiction basis. And he was one of my five readers back in the beginning. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know him. And he contacted me and he said, um, wow, like I want to meet with you and your family. And I just want to hear your heart about writing. So my husband and myself, we went with our kids to meet with him in Missouri. And he said, I would like you to write some novels based on my relationship teachings. And yeah, the first one was love is a decision. Wow. And so that's something he'd written about, you know, so he said, if you would do that, like we could partner together. And at that time he had a, a much larger audience than I did. So on the flight home, the Lord gave me everything about the Baxters. Like it was in my mind, it was going to be five books and I had all the characters and their names and the story. I mean, it was just like, I couldn't scribble into my notepad like quickly <laughs> enough. And by the time I landed, I was like, oh my goodness, it was a complete gift from the Lord that in one four hour flight, he gave me everything about the Baxters. And so it wasn't modeled after my family. It was really its own thing. Um, but of course, I never saw it going beyond five books at the time. Wow. How many books are there now about the Baxters total? Well, there are, you know, I think about 28, but they're, <laughs> they're in sub-series. Like you're reading the Bailey Flanagan series. That's a sub-series of the Baxters. Yes. So there's, there's the R's. That's, that's what came first. Redemption, remember, return, reunion, and re, uh, rejoice. And then there's the F series with like firstborn and fame and family. And then there's the S 
series. Have you read all these? I'm not on to S yet. That's my next one. Okay, so S, the way I wrote them, S came before the Bailey Flanagan series. Uh -huh. But anyway, they all ended up connecting. But what happened was, okay, so I, in my mind, uh -huh. I was actually going to have, well, not to have any spoilers, but a major character named Ashley was actually uh -huh. not going to make it past book five in my original outline. Oh, wow. And I was about to write that book. I was like on the verge of writing book five when I went to a soccer game and I was watching my boys play. They were just like little. So it was just like, you know, a Saturday soccer, you're folding chairs on a grassy field. <laughs> and this woman, a few seats down, she said, she said to her friend, not to me, I was just doing my reporter thing and kind of listening in. <laughs> yep. And uh, she said to her friend, I wish one day that everyone in the family could watch Joey play soccer. And her friend said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, back in the day, my husband and I, you know, we had a child out of wedlock and we were forced to give that child up. We didn't want to. And we ended up getting married. And so that child, like we would do anything to find that child and, and be able to tell that, that little boy that we, you know, we love him and we didn't want to do that. It was a huge rift in our family. And all of a sudden I thought, oh my goodness, that's the Baxters. John and Elizabeth, what happened to them? And they gave up a child and he got adopted by a missionary couple. But then before he was 18, they died in a single engine plane crash over Indonesia. And then he was sent to the States and he went to UCLA and he became an actor, the biggest actor that all the land knew. And he had everything anyone would ever want, except he didn't have the Baxters. Right. And now he wants to find them. And that literally that single moment at a soccer game is what changed everything. And I called my agent and I said, there are a lot more books about the Baxters. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what turned the, turned the corner on that. Wow. That is so beautiful. Those holy downloads, there's nothing like it. And you know, it's not from you. You're like, this could not have been from this side of heaven. This is from the other side of heaven because wow. <laughs> yeah. I remember beautiful. feeling, and I felt like this, I feel like this a lot. Like I have a book called Unlocked that I wrote was the standalone about a boy with autism and I outlined that, that on a plane. I love outlining on a plane. I don't know what it is, but it becomes holy ground. Yeah. And I literally can feel it's, I'm totally spectator. And he, he's just giving me what he wants me to, to write. Wow. He's so good at that. Thank you for being like willing and able and just listening because there's so much power in listening and then letting him write through you. What's it like to be writing? And you don't want to write what he's telling you to write, or this person has to go to heaven, or this person, you know, it's, it's time for this relationship to end. What's that like? Well, in the Baxter series, there are a lot of sub characters, obviously a lot of additional ancillary characters that have a smaller part, but an important part to the story. And if you've read Redemption series, you know about Ervil. So Ervil was this like older woman and she was kind of the grandmother I never had. Mm. And this is an example of how that goes. So, she was, you know, she was living in this assisted living and she had Alzheimer's, like her time was coming mm. and her husband, Hank, he'd gone home to heaven, you know, many years before heaven was going to be a good thing for Herbal, but I knew, I knew her time was coming and I didn't want her to go. Mm. And so it's weird. Like I'm writing, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm creating. <laughs> I feel like it's like a movie playing out in my head and I don't want to lose her. But so I found myself writing like, more and more slowly, like not wanting Herbal to take her last breath, but finally she did. And I had to have like a grieving moment about losing Herbal. So I set the laptop down beside my chair 
in my bedroom where I was writing and I just started crying and I was just, I was so sad that I couldn't spend more time with Herbal. And my husband came running into the room to get a sweatshirt. He was outside playing with the boys and he stops and he looks at me and he said, Karen, what's wrong? Because I was not like crying, like tears are streaming down my face. And I looked at him and I said, me, Herbal died. Well, you know, he comes over to the chair and he gives me, puts his hand on my shoulder. He can't see the laptop on the floor. And he said, oh no, it's, it's terrible, honey. Do we know Ervil from school or from church? <laughs> I said, no, honey, she's one of my characters. <laughs> and he just like gave me the strangest look. He kind of rolled his eyes and he said, well, I don't feel sorry for you. I mean, you killed her. Uh, so we both got this like we both started laughing i'm sitting there with tears on my face you know laughing so hard because i said you have to understand she died of natural causes i did not kill this woman you know <laughs> he, he just teases me like you know backspace delete you could just bring her back like you don't want her to lose her but you have to you have to follow the story that god gives you and she needed to go wow you have to follow the story that God's given you. That's so powerful. So there's been grieving moments. Has there also been like healing moments of, of writing these stories? Um, there have been for sure. Like a lot of times they'll be going through something that I might be struggling with because that's just sometimes how I process. So yeah. an example would be my latest book, Truly Madly Deeply, um, which is about Tommy Baxter's now 18 and headed to college. So Crazy. he was like, We've watched him be born. You know, it's been all this time. Um, but his, he wants to become a police officer, he decides. In the midst of all this madness, he just wants to be one of the good guys. And he um, tells his parents, and his parents are freaking out. They're like, they're like, what in the world? Yeah. And especially his mom has a mm -hmm. lot of fear for this as a future for her son. And it's a story that helps you walk from fear to faith. And I wrote that before the craziness of 2020. Wow. So there was like meeting me God's like meeting me in this place giving me a story that people desperately needed for this time mm -hmm. that only only he could have seen that so it was therapeutic and helpful for me as a mom you know help just another layer of letting go and having open hands to let my kids pursue the dreams that God has given them and not to control them in a way that either keeps them close or keeps them safe because that's wow. not what God would do he wants us to be bold and brave and go out and follow the plans that he has for us. So uh, I, I learned a lot writing that book, but then it landed at a time when I feel like many people were helped by a message that is, how do we go from fear to faith? Yes, it's met me right where I am too. And I didn't know that you wrote it before the mess, because as I'm reading this, I'm like, she did this perfectly. Like this is talking about this world that we live in, but it's so cool how the Lord takes a season to prepare you for the next. And yes. that is just so cool because as I'm reading about Tommy's sweet mama and how she's, she's really struggling with this. It's so hard because I'm not a mom. I'm, I'm not even an aunt, you know? And it's just like, how do you support someone that you love when you love them so much that you don't want to see anything happen to them? How do you walk that out? You really have to surrender them to the father and allow the Lord to just continue to write their story. Wow. I, Georgia, did you read um, Someone Like You, which <gasps> was the one before that? Mm, sister, I was crying by the fourth chapter. Oh, my gosh. 
I know. I love that book. And so see, like, and that's a story about what exactly is family and where do you really belong? And I think that's also a great message for today. I mean, on top of being a love story that I'll always truly find is one of my favorite that God's mm-hmm. given me. Um, it really, I think it'd make a great movie. I think so too. I don't know if we have any movie people out there listening, but oh my stars, we need to, I just love them. And I love when they come to life through different scenes and yeah, someone like you is probably one of my favorites. Oh my heavens. But my other favorite is Angels Walking series. I love those books. Oh my goodness. Oh. That that came out of a personal moment, you know, for our family. Have any of you heard about that story? No, I haven't. Well, what happened was my dad, <clears throat> he had a heart attack in 2007. He had been sick with diabetes mm. and we knew that he didn't have long, honestly. He'd really been toward the end of his life and we knew that it was it was something we were aware of. But he had this massive heart attack. Mm. I wasn't there. I was out of state. Um, at the house at that time was my nephew, Andrew, who was like 11, mm. and my mom. And my mom had a, happened to have a broken arm, so she couldn't do much. And all of a sudden, my dad was like one minute awake. The next minute, he was completely out. And it was middle of the day on a warm afternoon. So my mom thought maybe he just kind of had fallen asleep, maybe because of the heat. But my 11-year-old nephew, Andrew, he was like, no, I think something's really wrong with Papa. Wow. And so he called 911, and over the course of the next few minutes, they walked him through how to give my dad CPR in a lazy boy chair. Mm. He's 11. So it took many minutes before paramedics got there. And when they did, they came in the room into my mom, uh, my mom's house, and my dad was blue and he was non-responsive. I mean, obviously, the ideal place to give someone CPR is flat on the floor, and my mm-hmm. dad was too big to get out of the chair for an 11 year old. So um, they took over, but it looked like my dad wasn't gonna make it at that point. And so Andrew went into the next room and he started just crying because he felt like this was his fault and he was so close to his papa, you know. So in the middle of all of this chaos and all this madness and, and, and tragedy playing out, a police officer runs into the house, goes up to my mom, takes hold of her hands and says, ma'am, do you believe in Jesus? Mm. And she said, yes, yes, we all believe we do, but I don't know. My husband's not going to make it. I don't think it, we're just in the middle. Like, I don't think he's going to pull through with this. And he didn't even break eye contact. He just like held her hands even tighter. And he said, well, ma'am, we need to pray that the power that raised Lazarus from the dead would breathe life into your husband right now so that that young man out there does not grow up thinking this was his fault. Wow. And so pray this beautiful, powerful prayer. And then this police officer says, as soon as he says, in Jesus name, amen. In the next room, the paramedics yell, we have a heartbeat. <gasps> and it was like this amazing, miraculous thing that he came back mm-hmm. to us. And we had him for like six more weeks in intensive care before he went home to heaven. And we got wow. to say everything we ever wanted to say. And of course, Andrew was like the hero of the story because he'd given Papa CPR and was just like, it could have been so different. And here it was like the most powerful kind of re- this like beautiful miracle that had played out. Well, once my, my dad went back, went, went home to heaven um, and we all went back home. My mom said, well, I have got to contact that police officer and tell him, thank you, because I don't know what would have happened if it hadn't been for that. And so uh, she contacted the police department. It's only one department in the whole area. And wow. she's telling me, She's saying, um, you know, I need to find this officer. She has his name and his badge number. And she's passed from one person to the next. And then 
Um, finally, she's with the, like the head of personnel and they say, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't know what to tell you, but we have never had an officer by that name. And we have never given up that badge number to anyone. And so just like that, it was like, okay, my mom hangs up. We're like, what just happened? Like, who was that officer? And I mean, we'll never know. Like, obviously this side of heaven, you don't know, but the truth is in Hebrews 13, it says, be careful to entertain strangers for some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. And so that one event turned me, you know, just into thinking about that. Not, I mean, angels are messengers from the Lord there. It's all about what God's doing. Uh, it's not about the angels so much as it is just what the Lord is doing. But I thought, wouldn't that be a great series to write about people who are undercover and they're really angels and they're working these things out to, um, help us and to give us messages that God wants us to know. And so that's where I got that idea all from personal story. <laughs> I'm like speechless. That is so beautiful. And I just, that's one of my favorite series because as, as you read it, your eyes are opened in a new way and just how you interact with people and you just find this new deepening of your own faith and just wanting to love more truly madly and deeply. Shameless plug. We love the new book. <laughs> Yes. But, you know, I am giving the first book in that series to so many of the women in my life and in my family this Christmas because I just think we all need our eyes opened. You never know when you're entertaining strangers who who's going to walk in. And so I think you should do another Angels Walking series or something like that. But that's just me. I know that the Lord's going to write through you, whatever. But, oh, my stars, those are, like, my favorite. <laughs> well, I've tried, like, To the Moon and Back. And I think also, yeah, definitely in someone like you, I try to bring in those angels. Yes. So if read, you know, if you've read Angels Walking, like, the four books, um, is it three books? Three. It's three books. If you've, yeah, if, when, it was originally going to be four. But when you, when you read those, it's so fun because those same angels get to continue on as I'm writing these other books, I just kind of drop them in just a small little point. I'm sorry about all the noise. Is that, is that? No, you're okay. <laughs> it's real no. life. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so it, it just really, it's fun for me to keep those angels alive. And even if they haven't, people haven't read those, they can certainly come across that moment and like someone like you or these other books. And they say, that must have been like an angel encounter, even though they don't really know. But for people like you, it's even better because you're like, hey, I know who Jag is. I know Aspen. Yes, I know them. Yes, I love those. Oh, it's just so fun. And so for 2020, how was writing for you? Did you hit like a block? Was your faith stretched? How was it for you? You know, it actually, in theory, I should have been able to write five books in this time because I'm home, not traveling like I would normally be and that kind of thing. But it just didn't work that way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I definitely wrote, I wrote my, what I would normally write, two books that are coming out next year. Um, and I'm excited about those books, but it, it was definitely different. And I, I think it's hard because, you know, you have kids and even grandkids at this point, like going, what is all this? No masks, please, Grammy. You know, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to find answers that we don't have. We've never been through it either. So it's been a beautiful year for our family. It's been a beautiful year of introspection and deepening of faith. And, and I think even, you know, doubling down on gratitude. Yeah. Uh, what we so much have to be thankful for, things that we took for granted a little easily. We, and we didn't mean to take them for granted, but we just did. And yeah. So I think that's, that's been 
for me, writing-wise, I mean, it's, I don't want to write about the pandemic. I know that. I know I don't <laughs> want to write a book that has masks in it. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah, me either. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to read that either. We're living it, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we have to see people's faces, at least in fiction. <laughs> I know. I know. I agree. Yeah, I want to see their face in fiction. <laughs> yes. I love that. So I just saw the other day you posted about your new book coming out. So what are we looking forward to in 2021? Well, in April, I will have a book releasing called A Distant Shore. And it's not with the Baxters. It's a standalone. Mm. It is. Uh, okay. So kind of like imagine this scene where a little girl, a nine-year-old girl is swimming in the ocean mm. and the, your, your family is on vacation. And you know, you're like, oh, you see this little nine-year-old girl. In this case, this this 15-year-old boy sees her out there and realizes she's got, getting caught in a riptide and she's drowning. So uh-huh. he and his brother went out to rescue her. He tells his brother to go back, go back, you know, because he's not a good swimmer. And so at the end of the afternoon, his brother is drowned and the little girl was saved. Mm. But he will never see her again, of course, and, and um, that should be that. But 10 years later... She's still on that island, and she is in a very, very bad situation at a place where girls are trafficked, Mm. and he is an FBI agent. He's a secret undercover FBI agent being sent there to break up this ring with no possible idea that one of the girls he's going to help rescue would be the girl that he already rescued once. And so sometimes miracles happen not once but twice on a distant shore. Mm, That is beautiful. I cannot wait to read it. And obviously, we're going to see the two of them work together and, and try very hard not to fall in love. So, <laughs> <laughs> And it's really a beautiful, it's really a beautiful um, message that, that you are never alone, that even though both of them had very isolated lives, they felt very, they had very broken stories leading to that point. He had lost his family in an accident. So, you know, he, the only, he lived for the job that he did. But, you know, the, the kind of the way that the girl grew up, she was the daughter of the main trafficker. And, and she just, I mean, neither of them had any hope. And yet together, they're able to see what they couldn't see, which is that God was at work all along. Wow. That's the truth. That's so beautiful. Okay, friends, go pre-order this book whenever it's out there, okay? Because this is going to be so exciting. Now, there's one more thing I really want to talk to you about is the You Are Seen movement. I think that is so beautiful. How was this birthed? Well, another thing that God had on our hearts before the pandemic was the You Were Seen movement. And at the end of last year, at the end of the year, we always try to kind of like brainstorm what does next year look like? What are the books coming out? Because my daughter, Kelsey, and her husband, Kyle, are my design team. So they work on all social media, all website, newsletters, videos that we put out. It's all them. And then I have an, I have two other sons and, and one other college grad that um, are working on the You Were Seen movement. Mm-hmm. And so what was we just decided, we said, let's start this because people need to be seen. They need to know that they matter. And we're supposed to live our life on mission. Mm-hmm. And so how did, okay, so let's say all of your life. So later today you go out and you get a cup of coffee and you have a certain cashier or barista working for your coffee, right? All of your life and all of her life are going to intersect in one like 30 second or 60 second moment. That might be all you ever get with that person. You can give them a you were seen card. So the movement centers around a pack of 10 you were seen cards. People can get a pack of cards. They can get a hundred cards, whatever. And then they, you want a tip. 
you want to tip generously. Like we, you know, rather than necessarily saving up thousands of dollars for a mission trip, life is your mission trip. Amen. And you get a $5 bill. I mean, you $3 for your coffee and $5 on a tip is not normal, but that's your mission moment. Mm. So you, you, you write something on the back. The card has some lines on the back. You can say, um, Hey, God sees you. You know, I saw you today. God sees you every day, but it points them to the website. And that's you were seen.com. The website will give them, I had a, I was able to sort of use storytelling in a short version to let them know how deeply they need a savior. And then you can click links and it'll take you to the Billy Graham website. We partner with them to see the plan for salvation or help links for whatever they are dealing with depression, discouragement, suicidal thoughts, whatever, whatever they're going through, there are help links that they can get to from you were seen.com. So you're, you're not just giving them a thank you and a gratitude, although you are doing that. So if I were giving you a card, Georgia, right now, I would say, hold up the card, which says you were seen. And I would say, hey, Georgia, you know what? You, you were seen today. You matter and what you do is important. And this world needs more sunshine like what you bring. So here you go. And here's a little tip. And go check out youwereseen.com. And then at the end of every month, we get a um, kind of like an email report from the Billy Graham Association. And they tell us how many people click that link that are coming to know the Lord and have faith in Christ because they were seen by somebody. <laughs> that just makes me want to cry. That's what it's all about. Everyone wants to feel loved, valued, and seen. That's why our Savior came to this earth. And that's why I'm so grateful we can celebrate this Christmas season because he saw us and sent his only son for us. Amen. That's what it's all about. And he came into the, he was born into the darkest time in, in history and um, comes to us still in this fairly dark time in history as well. Not afraid of the darkness because he is the living light. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Oh, so good. Now you see last week, I wish I would have had one of those cards. Marshall and I were walking around in this little neighborhood looking at these beautiful deer as the sun were setting. The sun was setting in the clouds, these, this beautiful pink and purple. And then here comes this little old lady and she starts walking toward us and we were just sitting on the sidewalk. So we get up cause you know, she was walking with her cane and we didn't want to make like make her trip or anything. And so we were like, hi, how are you? And that just opened the floodgates for conversation. And this sweet lady lost her husband last year and she told us how we reminded her of her and her Charlie. And she was 77 and she was a teacher and a librarian and went to MTSU's aerospace school for a little bit. And, you know, she needed that five seconds of, of time for, you know, a little bit of healing, a little bit of joy. And so yesterday, we, we went by her house and left a little little card telling her how much we love her. But man, if I would have had a you were seen card, I could have just handed that to Miss Kay and said, sister, you are seen. I got to order and, them. Yeah, you still, Georgia, you know what? Email me your address. We'll send you a packet and you'll see you'll love them because, you know, it's like you might get 30 seconds to tell them thank you and that you appreciate them and you see them. But the real truth is, like you don't have in those few seconds time to share the entire gospel, right? but you have the chance to lead them there with the card. And the card is mm. really, um, it's a very, very beautifully, like the way that it, the way that it comes across to someone, is, it's not just a preachy thing. It's like, you know, you, you have a beautiful life you're playing up, but you're headed toward a cliff. Like it's going to mm. need a hero and your story and your story only has so many pages and you know, you don't even know how many it has. 
So, but it's a very loving way for them to understand how desperately they need a savior, or if they are believers, then a way to find them, to, you know, lead them toward these help links that might help them, especially in a time like this when people walk around feeling discouraged greatly and, and depressed even. So, um, yeah, so we'll send you some. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and like you said, you know, we may be the only Bible someone reads. And so we left that moment with her and we cried because we were the ones that felt seen by her. And so it's just a beautiful thing all around. So is that yeah. on your website? The best place to find out about you were seen, I'm trying to keep it only, I'm trying to keep it sort of distant from me because I don't, I want it to be its own thing in the way that it's not a Karen Kingsbury thing. It's mm -hmm. God's thing. Yeah. So it's youwereseen.com and it's, um, it's, you know, it's for you were seen today by me, but you are seen by your heavenly father every single day. So that's the message we're trying to share. It's like, what did Jesus say? They will know us by our love. Mm -hmm. And as we go out in the world, I think we might have five, 10 interactions in a day on a regular day. And, and with COVID, you might have two or three, but making those surprise people. It, it's kind of amazing. You can follow you were seen on social media too. We're posting pictures of people that were like our team, our marketing team's going out three or four times a week just to let people be seen and get some photos of people who like, here's Joe. He worked really hard at Publix. He helped a woman with all of her groceries and didn't even take a tip for it. And we just want to know want him to know he was seen and then he's holding a card. So our social media is really cool because it's, it's singling out these people who should be seen. And it's a whole lot of people. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Miss Karen, thank you for what you do. Thank you for letting the Lord use you and your books. They've truly like been such a blessing in my life to allow my heart to heal so I can see what a godly pursuit and what a love looks like. So then now the Lord can, you know, bring that into my life. So thank you. And I'm excited for what's to come with you are seeing and with all the stories and maybe movies and TV shows that the Lord is putting and writing on your heart. And so thank you for hanging out with us today. Well, thank you too, Georgia. And people can go to KarenKingsbury.com to see the trailer. There's a video trailer for A Distant Shore, the one they can pre-order. Or for any of the books, Truly, Madly, Deeply, um, Someone Like You, there's video trailers for all of them. And also that's where they'll find out about The Baxters, which is being filmed as a TV series. We have 36 episodes finished and ready to go. And we'll have an announcement on when and where that'll be airing any day. So at KarenKingsbury.com. Okay. That just made my day. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Okay, y'all, make sure you have a couple Karen Kingsbury books wrapped under your tree. It's only a few days away. Merry Christmas, Miss Karen. Merry Christmas, Georgia. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'd love to hear what your favorite part was. You can leave us a review here or send me a message on Instagram at I am Georgia Brown. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. More pep talks, words of wisdom, and fun conversations are headed your way soon.